Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. I am so delighted to let you know about our new sponsors. Waterful Plastic Free Wipes will be supporting the podcast for the next couple of months and it's been in the pipeline for a little while so I'm delighted to finally be able to announce our new supporters. So Waterful Plastic Free Wipes, which I'm sure many of you are, if not using, would have heard of um, over the past couple of months. They're very new to the market but just to give you a little bit of inf- information on them, they are plastic-free baby wipes which contain 99.9% purified water and are both fragrance and alcohol-free. The wipes are made from natural cellulose plant fibres, making them so much softer and kinder to delicate skin. Waterfall baby wipes are hypoallergenic, having been extensively tested by dermatologists and are approved by the Skin Healthcare Alliance and Allergy UK, accepted by the International Eczema Association and are also certified by Cruelty Free International and the Vegan Society. Waterful by Beefy Wipes are 100% plastic free, 100% biodegradable and also 100% compostable. Breaking down in a matter of weeks, they are the best choice for our planet and your baby's future. Another amazing selling point for the baby wipes is they're so much bigger than other wipes and they're so robust. So they don't just slip away in your hand or disintegrate in your hand and you don't have to use five or six of them for a particularly messy job. So available for purchase in Tesco, selected super values and can be bought in bulk on Amazon. Kindful, mindful and waterful. In this week's episode, I chat to Fidelma and she talks me through her three birth experiences. Fidelma also suffered an early pregnancy loss. I previously spoke to Fidelma when we had a discussion over Zoom with a few other women who also suffered early loss. So I will actually tag or link that in the show notes if you want to have a listen there. She talks about her experience more in detail. So her experiences are all positive, but you can hear from our conversation that she is so much more prepared in her third experience. It's funny, Fidema mentions reading up books on how to parent when she was pregnant with her first baby and I think I was completely detached with the fact that I was going to actually have a baby after my first pregnancy. So it's just different different 
ways people prepare. So I'll let you hear for down the story. I will tag her Instagram page. She is a she does teach gentle birth as well, and she's doing lots of other things on the side. So I will make sure I leave her details so you can contact her if you are looking for support. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and I will chat to you soon. Fadama, you're very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. Lovely to sit down and have a, a chat with you again. Thanks very much for having me on. Do you want to just begin by giving us a little introduction to you and your family? Great, I will do. Um, so I'm Fidelma. I am a mum of three, um, eight-year-old boy, six-year-old girl and three-year-old boy. Um, and I uh, have, uh, yeah, had um, a, a change in, uh, I suppose, having children and giving birth and everything have kind of made me have a, a change in direction in, in kind of what I want to do with my life. And I've, I've spent some time kind of thinking about it since my youngest was born because I found the whole experience a very, um, uh, very positive for me, which was great, positive experience and very kind of uh, and a big, you know, a really big impact on my life as well. So um, doing that and, and seeing what other women go through as well, I've, you know, changed a bit of track and I've been doing, doing some training as a postpartum doula and training in gentle birth, um, antenatal uh, teacher training and also doing some more antenatal teacher training with Could You Ireland at the moment as well. Oh, so something that I really, really love and find really, really fascinating um, and I love to talk about my births, not just because I like to talk about me, but because I think they were I, they, they were really very positive births. And I think that's also a really, you know, great message to get out there that that's that's possible as well. Because I think when you say, oh, I'm pregnant, a lot of people start to say, oh, did you hear? And uh, it's good. It's good sometimes to hear that, but, you know, things can go well as well. Your page. So how can people find you? I know you have it. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. So um, my um, it's it's I'm on Instagram and I have a website. Um, it's the Gentle Mamas. So on Instagram at the Gentle Mamas. Um, uh, and you'll find my website at uh, the gen- the com as well, Great, um, where you'll see all the different work that I'm doing as well. Um, and the the Instagram page has been a little quiet over the summer, it has to say, <laughs> with all the kids home and everything. But hopefully, I'll ramp back up into it now. Um, over uh, putting out kind of you know more content in in that area over when once everybody's settled now back into school and play school and everything but the gentle mamas um mamas plural uh we'll find it's got a little kind of blue logo on it great i'll tag everything in here anyway so everyone can get in touch so do you want to talk us through your first pregnancy brilliant yeah we'll do so my first pregnancy um was yeah really quite uneventful uh when it comes to pregnancy kind of usual sick as a dog and tired in the first trimester um delighted you know no no hassle getting pregnant or anything like that all went you know very smoothly um progressed to you know perfectly normal pregnancy I was working a busy busy job working long hours walking to and from work every day so really you know kind of powering through everything I think the worst thing I had was a bit of pregnancy insomnia which everybody knows is just horrendous just lying there for hours at night um and um, and a bit of a touch of kind of SPD a bit of a bit of pelvic girdle pain had to stop walking at one point you know later in the pregnancy um I have I grow big babies and as it grew bigger uh, it became harder and harder to walk so I have to start getting taxis to work and like if that's the worst you have to complain about during your pregnancy I think you're doing quite well. Did you attend physio or anything like that to help ease the discomfort? 
I didn't. I spoke to now this and this is actually, yeah, this is a really good point. I spoke to um, my midwife about it. Um, well, a bit about that and a bit about um, I had very bad tailbone pain. Actually, that was the other thing sitting for long periods of time. And obviously with a desk job, that's what you're doing mm. uh, was becoming quite painful. And she kind of just said, look, it's just one of those pregnancy things. You have to just it'll go away when you have the baby. And, you know, it didn't, the tailbone pain did not go away when I had the baby. Um, it was there still weeks and weeks and weeks later. And I attended an osteopath on the recommendation of my pregnancy yoga teacher, who I went to then for postnatal, um, postnatal yoga as well. And the osteopath said, I hate when people say that you can always do something. So if there's pain, if there's something, please always go see somebody. Don't, don't, you know, don't take somebody's word for it that oh, it's just one of those things. There's almost always something that can be done for you. And I did have SPD in the second pregnancy and did attend the physio in the physio classes in the hospital and um, got all the tips and tricks and everything. But um, I think in the first one, I just kind of thought, oh, you know, these are the things that happen. Yeah. Your body has to suffer to grow a baby. But actually, um, I think those were really wise words now from from the osteopaths that said, you know, actually check, check, get yourself checked out. Yeah. Because, you know, and I probably could have saved myself years of pain. Actually, it took years to rectify whatever happened to my, to my tailbone <laughs> uh, at that point. So um, if I think if I dealt with it earlier, then it probably would have been much easier easier to sort and so did the SPD continue then to your final trimester um yeah well once I once I laid off on the walking and wasn't walking as much and everything it was really okay um and and was you know a bit more careful about how I stood up and how I you know keeping the knees together and making sure you're not trying to roll over in bed without you know bracing yourself appropriately and all those kind of things so it wasn't really bad SPD I wasn't one of these people on crutches okay. or anything like that it was just you know just um a bit of um a, a bit of it there and it if I hadn't, I suppose, paid attention and, and stopped the things that, that weren't helping it, um, kind of switched to swimming instead of walking and that kind of thing, then um, it did. So it wasn't in any way incapacitating in the way that I know it is for many, many, many women. And I know a lot of us when we have, well, especially in our first pregnancies, we don't really dive into preparation as much as we do the second, third time around. So what was your case? So for my case, I, I suppose the main things I did for preparation were... Um, the I did uh, pregnancy yoga which I felt was you know really important kind of stretched me each week after sitting at a desk Mm -hmm. you know all the time crouched over um, with this bump getting bigger and bigger. So the pregnancy yoga and I did with my yoga teacher, I did an active birth workshop. So it was a one, you know, one day uh, workshop that went through just kind of how to you know, have a more kind of active, upright, moving kind of kind of birth. I in this is where I it's also the point in my life that I discovered gentle birth. Now, it was a bit different, I suppose, back then to how it is now. Now there's a fantastic app and there's all sorts of um, resources around it. It was a CD back then and um, just tracks to listen to. So I, I had them on my phone. I ripped them onto my phone and I used to. And actually, when I talk about the pregnancy insomnia, gentle birth, Tracy Donegan's voice is one of the most hypnotic. Um, and I know you know this yourself. One of the most hypnotic kind of just relaxing things you've ever heard in your life. I absolutely used to just switch it on in the middle of the night to send myself back to sleep sleep so it was doing those hypnosis tracks the kind of brain training um around birth and labor and just uh, kind of preparing myself that way um and then you know a bit of reading but not um I I kind of said you know I'm sure it'll be fine I'm sure it'll be fine and the professionals know what they're doing and I'm doing my brain training and I know about the after birth stuff and I'm staying as fit and healthy as I can and 
yeah, I'll just kind of go from there. I was more reading about how you raise a child because I had me slightly more worried at that point in my life. Well, that was good because I like, well, I was when mom on my first time around, I didn't think beyond pregnancy you know, having it yeah I know I know and I know that a lot of people do um and, and I still still think God, there's so much more I could have done I think like and there's so many great resources mm. out there now like on the internet social media and so many people just sharing such brilliant stuff um you know uh whether some of it was probably there that I just didn't know about it back then um eight nine nine years ago maybe not as much but um yeah it was uh, I just think there's such, such fantastic things I don't think you can read enough or mm. think enough about both the preparation for birth and the aftermath of birth, the whole postpartum, which is, you know, why I've I'm look, you know, I've done the training as postpartum doula. I think it's it's so important to do both aspects of that and not just about baby, but also about you. Oh yeah, completely agree. And the impacts for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. So will we dive into your birth experience? Birth. Yes, absolutely. So baby was, as I asked, I, I, I was with the um, the Domino midwives okay. in Hollis Street, which was a great experience, I have to say. It was really, really nice to um, to be in a midwife kind of led and um, led care. And um, as she said to me, I said, it's baby big. And she said, I'd say now it's a grand sized baby. She said no more than that. So which is good because in, I'd say under some care providers I would have been told you have a big baby and the pressure might have started around inductions and things um, because when he emerged he was nine pounds six ounces so um, it was uh, it was a grand size baby indeed and very long um, so he's and he's still a big child but uh, this this grand size baby big bump um, I was off work finished up for my maternity leave even finished up a little bit early took a little bit of holidays because I just couldn't hack it anymore and I was off and I was waiting and um, it wasn't until eight days after my due date that I got any kind of signs of anything starting to happen. So I had quite a nice long <laughs> wait there for something to happen. And I was starting to get a bit now, ah, come on, you know, it's time. But everything looked good. Everything was fine. And then I had a day where I had a lower back pain, lower back pain and... And I thought, oh, maybe, maybe something's happening. And it was still there the next day. And I thought, oh, great. Okay. You know, and I kind of took it really easy and napped and a little swim. And that was it. Woke up at 10 days overdue and uh, or past the guest date or whatever you want to call it. But anyway, 10 days and um, woke up full of energy and had a great night's sleep, went downstairs and said, I'm going to walk with my husband now into into work, into his work, obviously, uh, into town. We live near town. And um, I'll walk home then. I've got all these things I'm going to do. And then suddenly I realized that I was contracting, but it was completely painless. I could just sense that my muscles were, you know, they were contracting, but there was no, there was no pain. There was nothing. And I thought, oh, and I kind of walked my husband into town and timed them. And I was like, they're 10 minutes apart. And I said, I'm, I'm contracting 10 minutes apart. And he was like, well, I think I better walk you home. I don't think I'll go to work. <laughs> so I insisted that we went to a cafe and we'd, uh, and, and while we were there, I realized they were six to seven minutes apart. And I said, okay, maybe we should head on home. Went home, took a shower, had a proper breakfast, uh, called the midwives and they said, no, um, okay, that's great. But you know, if you're not in pain, you're not really in labor and you shouldn't be able to talk to us. And it's interesting because one of the things that, you know, I've learned through my gentle birth um, training is the suggestion of pain from somebody in charge can often be something that makes people feel pain. 
And interestingly, not long after that, my contractions started to hurt. Okay. And maybe they would have anyway. I mean, at some point, you guess it, it's got to happen. But um, it, it was then that I started to, you know, hurt. So she said, take a walk, let it all intensify. And I was down to two to three minutes apart at this point. They, you know, when I rang them, that's why I rang them, because they were at two minutes apart. And you're kind of told if they're being regular at two minutes apart. Um, so, yeah, so we took a lunch, you know, did all that. I hung out for a while, listened to my tracks, zoned out on the ball, got much more intense, much more painful, and decided finally around two o'clock called. There was more fresh, bloody show, all that kind of stuff. So there was the show was there. We'd been at two minutes apart for ages. So we called and they said, come on in, we take a look. They looked. You're not dilated at all. You're not in labor, is how they said it, which again is really bad phrasing. <laughs> and clearly something's happening. But given the situation, we'll keep for an hour and see what happens. Uh, so I was straight into a room by myself. So I was never on the antenatal ward or anything like that. And an hour later, I was one centimeter. So they said, okay, we'll, you know, we'll keep you and we'll see how you get on. Um, and I said to my husband, God, you know, it's a centimeter an hour. We've got nine more hours of this. And he was like, well, you know. We'll just see how we get on. And they put me in the shower, which was great. Loved it. Um, water on my back, just hang it, hung out there for an hour or so. Then I was on the mat, on my hands and knees. So it was very much the kind of active birth that I had hoped for, you know, the positions that felt comfortable to me and everything like that. And yeah, so not long, really. I spent about an hour maybe hanging out on the mat and they kind of checked and she said I think I can see baby mm-hmm. do you feel like you need to push and I was like no what no 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 I was not ready I was like no there's no no there's no there's no baby coming <laughs> I can't be it can't be baby time already and she's like okay give it a little longer and she's like no I you know do you not feel pressure do you not want to push and I was kind of like I don't know really you know I was using gas and air but that was it um and I kind of started tried to push a bit but I was very tentative I was really quite I think this is where my kind of lack of preparation <laughs> showed up. I really didn't know what this bit was about and I didn't know. And your body does start to take mm. over, but I did need to do some work. Um, I mean, maybe if I'd been left to do a bit more passive descent, you know, it might have done more itself. But first, first labor, all that kind of stuff. And I, I really was very kind of hesitant and a bit scared and didn't really know what to expect. So, you know, a bit more informing myself a bit more about that stage probably would have been no harm. But anyway, I pushed for a while. Nothing really happened. So she said, hop up on the bed and on your back. So actually, in the end, I ended up giving birth in the classic on your back position. Um, it worked for me that time. You know, it's funny, you know, you talk about gravity and all that, but um, the, the on all fours wasn't working. Um, and in the end, uh, with only about 20 minutes pushing, I'd say on the bed, mm-hmm. out she came. Um, small tear, but nothing major. Very placid, lovely, calm baby, massive, nine pound six. Um, and then the bit that really gets me now is I see pictures. I don't really remember how much skin to skin we did or how much time we had that kind of golden. I wasn't very informed around that kind of golden hour and, you know, the skin to skin for the breastfeeding. I was looking at how to raise a child, but somehow I, I didn't look into that, you know. And, and I see pictures of me sitting in the bed and him wrapped up and in his bassinet. And I think, why, why is he over there and why? Because then we went on to have a really difficult breastfe- breastfeeding journey that failed after six weeks. And I think, like, why didn't somebody say, unwrap that baby, tuck him into your, tuck him into your, into your nightdress? But for some reason, we did not get, I had those kind of midwives with my next births, but not with the first. And it, it makes me really sad now when I think about it. I think, like, maybe that would have helped a bit. Mm. You know, if somebody had just said, actually, here's some really important things. But no, they were too busy kind of wrapping them up and putting them over there and giving me tea and biscuits or whatever. 
Um, so yeah, it was, um, I think that's the one bit I look back on and I think I wish I had, I was more informed on that bit of it, like the birth itself though, like it couldn't for a first time, even actually as she was sewing up the tear, she said, that was very quick. You might have a home birth if you're going to have another baby. And I was like, oh no, 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 I couldn't do that. But, um, certainly planted a seed of worry in my mind about the next time though. But yeah, uh, yeah so really positive. Yeah. So how was your physical recovery then? How did you feel in yourself? Um, quite, you know, okay, but quite sore. I found it quite sore. That was definitely the sorest, you know, kind of the recovering and the pushing because the pushing was kind of purple pushing really, you know, that kind of coached, you know, not really following my body necessarily. Um, so, you know, definitely a bit sore and swollen down there and it all took a while to kind of, you know, heal up. But then I got mastitis a week later. So actually that overtook anything else that was going on in my body. It was very sick. I came, I had to go back to the hospital for a week, uh, be put on IV antibiotics. They kept me in for a week um, and they made, I had to pump I was absolutely shredded. He had tongue tie, which nobody diagnosed, of course. Uh, so he shredded me on both sides. I was just raw, red, bleeding, and and both breasts incredibly inflamed. Um, so it was it was just so miserable that overrode any other kind of physical recovery for for a couple of weeks. And I was pumping and bottle feeding and trying to breastfeed and doing that triple feeding thing. Um, and got quite poor advice and support from a lactation consultant that I I hired to, you know, try try get myself on track. She um she looked at the baby and said, no, he's not tongue-tied, he can stick his tongue out that you know that's all she did and I know now now I know better but at the time mm. here was the, the trusted professional that I was paying to you know to 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 give me advice um and you know we that's not how you diagnose tongue tie like you don't diagnose tongue tie by looking at whether the baby can extend his tongue beyond his, his lips uh, he I'd say his both his siblings had posterior tongue ties I'd say he probably did does it does as well and that definitely didn't help the journey so yeah and I found it was the breastfeeding for me everything else the body kind of got back to itself it was all right um but the breastfeeding really put it through a massive wrench in things it, it um it was well a the physical whole physical thing of the status and then I, I got another infection later again after that while I was still trying to trying to make this thing work and everybody I turned to didn't want to put pressure on me to breastfeed so I said you don't have to you're not a worse mother doesn't make you a better mother to breastfeed I said like I know that but I want to yeah. so how do I do it and, and I still wasn't getting the support and advice that I needed and um, I had a very lovely public health nurse who tried her best but pointed me in the direction of Quidju and at the time I was like no Quidju is all about just breastfeeding and oh my god they will judge me so badly because I'm not managing you know and like didn't understand that at all at the time so you know what I didn't do in I didn't look into my community and have identified the supports that could help me in any particular hiccups mm. you know that might occur because I didn't know what hiccups might occur because you know first time and all those kind of things and I didn't I didn't inform myself properly but I was unfortunate in the people I did turn to with support didn't give me the right kind of support in my opinion now that I know a bit more about it. So when so, yeah. did you feel ready then to to add to your family or to start trying to add to your family um, about a year after so I suppose because I wasn't breastfeeding my in the end my my period came back within a couple of months and he's a very good sleeping baby he slept well um most of the time obviously no baby sleeps well all the time but on the whole he's quite placid and we were like this is quite nice we'll have another one 
Um, so I got pregnant again relatively quickly, but had a miscarriage um, and then got pregnant again quickly after that miscarriage and ended up, um, uh, we had our second baby. So 22 months after Oshin was born, 23 months after Oshin was born. So just under the two year mark for the second one. So how did you feel? I know we've actually spoken before, but how did you feel um, on that third pregnancy after your early pregnancy loss? Um, I felt, yeah, anxious, like anxious for a lot of the early, early pregnancy. I found I was able to, once I was kind of past the 12 week mark, because I had an early pregnancy loss at, um, at kind of eight, nine weeks. Uh, so once I got past the 12 weeks mark, I felt, OK, this is this is probably fine. And I didn't find that that anxiety carried on for the whole of the pregnancy, not at the high levels that it was at the very, very start. And, you know, I'm just delighted because I, I know I, when I did speak to you about this before, I said like after the miscarriage, my overwhelming drive, my overwhelming urge was that I needed to be mm. pregnant again. I just needed to be pregnant like right now. <laughs> um, and, you know, and I was lucky it happened. And then I had, you know, I had what I wanted. Um, and then and then there was just, you know, the only other thing was just that kind of, I think, I think I think a lot of people feel is that oh my god how am I going to split myself between two children and how can I love another baby as much as I love this one and oh my god it's so unfair I'm about to ruin his life <laughs> you know so I think that was the other kind of overwhelming thing um about the pregnancy and and the final one was that 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 nugget of of doubt that was placed in my mind uh, that was very quick you should have a home birth if you have another baby and I I was not on board with the home birth thing at all for my second baby I said nope Easter the baby's in a hospital and I just no way I'm not doing this at home but then I like we live close to the hospital but I was still like if it's rush hour it could take us ages to get there I'm gonna have this baby in the car oh my god that was the main that other than wrecking my son's life that was my main my main stress in the uh, in the second one I really thought oh god this baby is going to be born like in the car and trying to get to Hollis Street through the through rush hour traffic so did you do any additional prep considering that did you do any more like did you educate yourself anymore um so I felt I think i I kind of felt I continued to do the gentle birth tracks. I felt I did the pregnancy yoga, but I actually kind of felt my body knows how to do this. Um, it's it, it did it fine the first time. Um, it's probably I'm told it's going to be quicker. Um, and um, I think what I you know looking when I look back on it now, I'm like, well, why the on earth did you not because again I was with the midwives so why on earth did I not just like look into home birth a little bit more and kind of you know uh, uh, kind of accelerate myself to a point where I am now where I'm like god I would have loved to have had a home birth to be quite honest but um but I didn't I didn't actually you know I kind of thought well actually my body took over and I trust my body to take over again um she was a little bit late turning so I had, I had a kind of a, a week or two where I thought oh my god I might have to have a c-section and that I did kind of start thinking oh right what's the logistics around that and I really don't want that because I give birth easily and <laughs> this is very unfair and I started looking into whether breech birth was a thing or you know would people do it or where you know where could you find somebody who might do that with you uh, but then she turned and she stayed turned so it was it was grand but um that was kind of the only point at which I you know I kind of looked into anything else around birthing because again I kind of felt I was with the midwives I was very happy with how the midwives had you know proceeded through my first birth it was very hands-off unless I needed them like they suggested comfort measures but there was no it wasn't very interventionist so I felt comfortable that I was with the same you know kind of place you know the same ethos again for the second birth it had worked very well for me. So will we talk about labour and birth then? 
can do. Um, so the second one was late as well, uh, just a couple of days though. So um, and yeah, I was um, I was in for a checkup and you know you and check and she said, would you like a sweep? And I was not informed around sweeps. I was like, yeah fine let's do it I would probably have a different opinion on that now um, and I said yeah go ahead and she said I think I can find a field baby's head right so um, I would suggest that you take it very easy uh, for the rest of the day I think I was in early in the morning and just take it easy don't be exercising take lots of naps this baby is coming soon so I did that for the day apart from picking up my son from crash in the evening and um, it was very disappointing Pointed to wake up the next morning to find that I was still pregnant and nothing was happening. So I did the exact opposite of what she told me to do. I walked to the local pool, went for a swim, walked home. I think I did, did take a nap, but then like when I picked up my son, there was still nothing. And I said, I'm going to go to pregnancy yoga. And I headed off. My husband said, do you want to drive in? Like, just in case I said, no, I'll take the Lewis because like, what if something does happen? I'll, I'll have the car and how are you going to get to me? Mm. He said, OK, fair enough. And I was going to stretch this baby out of here. And then during yoga class, um, I did it with um, Rachel Gaffey, um, my well-being. Uh, she's great, um, but she does. She runs a, a fairly energetic yoga class. So we were doing squats and different things against the wall. And I got some different kind of sensations that did feel like maybe there was some tightening and stuff going on. And she kind of remember at one point she looked at me and she's like, are you OK? I was like, yeah, 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 grand, grand. Uh, and I was walking home then and um, I was like, yeah, no, definitely there was tightening and a bit of pressure. And I thought, all right, OK, go on home now. I got on the Lewis. And then as I walked through, I live in Ranala, through Ranala, I had to pause every few minutes. <laughs> Bit of, mm-hmm. I got home about half nine in the evening and my husband uh, was like, I am going to go to bed. I said, I think not. I think you might want to hang on. And I sat down and ate my dinner, uh, pausing every two or three minutes to have a contraction. And uh, I said, yeah, well, maybe is it? I wonder. And I was in complete denial. I don't know why. It's so funny. But I was just like, is this is this labor? Because, you know, sometimes they're at four minutes apart and sometimes they're at two minutes apart. So I don't know that I could call them consistent yet utterly ridiculous when you think about it but I was just like and he was like um, called it called it called the midwives I called them and they kind of said you'll know yourself we might see you in an hour we might see you in a couple of hours you'll know yourself I was like oh, okay grand take a shower and he said you know what shall we just go in because the, the the contractions were still going and he said we have to call my parents anyway to come down to mind you know the older kid to my doshin so it'll take them a little, you know, they're only 20 minutes up the road, but they need to get here. And I really, really, and he said, I really, really don't want to have this to deliver. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. For this baby at home. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Uh, so grandparents Julie arrived and we left the house just before 11 o'clock in the evening. So and I got home about half nine. So, you know, we hadn't been home that long. And again, they were everything was intense, but it was manageable. Uh, particularly, you know, upright, forward positions. That was just automatically what the positions my body put me in. That's how I handled it. Uh, we got in. Um, he went to park the car and I was sitting waiting in the front of the hospital. And the guard was like, yeah, first baby said, no, no, second. He goes, all right. I said, yeah, no, they told me it might be quick. And he was like. Do you need to push? I was like, I don't, I don't think so. No. He was like, do you know what? I think I'm going to take you up anyway. Because you can see that I was like, every two minutes, I was like, the contractions were very close together. Oh, it was together. a security card. Yeah, he was <laughs> with the guy on the desk. Okay. Like, he was just like, I think I'll just take you up. I don't think I want to catch your baby either. And I was checked in. I was in the labor, in the delivery, you know, the, the birthing room by quarter past 11. Easy. It was all very quick. And we're only five minutes from the hospital when there's no traffic. So it was all very quick. Definitely. 20 past 11 anyway and um she kind of said oh yeah you know all quite intense okay that's grand let's you know we'll do the trace for 20 minutes we have to do that so I was up on the bed hands and knees leaning over the back of the bed grand and um I remember I said to her oh you know it was the 30th of April and our son was born in May and I said I really wanted an April baby because I didn't want to have two birthdays in the same month. I thought, you know, it'd be easier to have two separate months. And it was now, you know, 20 past 11 at night on the last day of April. So I said, I don't think I'm going to get my wish. And she said, oh, you never know. And 10 minutes later, my waters went with a whoosh. And I couldn't have stopped my body if I wanted to. She kind of the whole fetal ejection Brilliant. reflex took over and she shot out a couple of contractions later. Um, and she was born at 11.45. Oh, cool. Um, the 30th of April. Um, And yes, the lovely midwife, um, there was a medical student in the room as well, uh, who I think had never seen anybody giving birth in that position before. (laughs) I could hear the midwife chatting to him and he was like, um, no. (laughs) Yeah, but he was foreign and she had a temporary accent and he couldn't understand anything that she was asking him to do. I still, I still, even through the kind of like contracting, (laughs) concentrating on my, my birth, I still remember that. But uh, yeah, so again, really, like really quick. So the whole thing was, I don't know what, like two hours-ish, around the two hour mark, a little over, two and a half hours maybe total from kind of saying, yeah, I think something's happening to her actually emerging um quick and easy another slight tear but um 
nothing you know after that but a very different kind of baby came screaming into this world for her her brother had just been really quiet and just kind of looking around and even now you can see the difference in their personalities it's so it's it's funny they're just made from the start you you think you you're going to be shaping them but you're not yeah. you're not really they come out they come out fully formed did you get skin uh, to screaming, skin screaming. so we did skin right. to skin and she did skin to skin with my husband while I showered and then she was back in under my nightdress when we were always being wheeled down to the, you know, the antenatal ward. And that, because that's where she settled. She settled skin to skin and she settled, settled with a bit of motion of the wheelchair. And we slept, co-slept. And I had explained the whole breastfeeding journey and how I really wanted to do it this time. And I was told I was shown how to do lying down breastfeeding. I was shown how to keep her skin to skin. She she was very, but she didn't actually feed very much in the first day or two because she had such quick birth that she, none of the mucus had been squeezed out of her. So she was constantly throwing up like lovely clear mucus, kind of clearing all her tubes. But she didn't know she was hungry then because she had all this stuff in her. So it took her a while to get used to it. But like what I, you know, I wasn't told to supplement. I wasn't told. In fact, you know, I was kind of like, oh, she'll get it when she gets it. And when the midwife said, oh, it's great. Second time mums, you get it. You know, you're not all stressed about it. And I was like, I wish somebody you know would have talked to me like this yeah. with my first one nobody did you know they just kind of when I said I'm you know I'm starting to bleed they said oh I've seen worse you know whereas this time it was the right kind of responses okay well then strip that baby down skin to skin is the answer you know all those things um which was great really really great and really you know really empowering for me to have them like hear what I was saying like it, it really didn't work and it was very difficult and I'm, I'm quite worried about this to have them give me what I know now are exactly the right things to do it was we got the we got the time in the room we got skin to skin I was shown to do all the you know the laid back and the sideline breastfeeding so that she could stay close to me and we could be skin to skin and yeah she you know she did start to latch on for big feeds and eventually we weren't allowed to leave the hospital. We had to stay a bit longer because she got dehydrated because she wasn't feeding because she didn't know that she was hungry. Um, and they did insist on one bottle before we left to try get some fluids into her because she was starting to get the uric crystals okay. in her in her nappy. So she was like properly dehydrated. Um, and she wouldn't take a bottle though either, like because she's as stubborn as anything and has obviously been from the moment she was born. Um and I remember like when the midwife said, well, do you want me to do it? I was like, well, it's not that I don't know how to give a baby a bottle. <laughs> I've been there. But uh, go ahead. And then she couldn't get her to take it either. <laughs> it's, uh, it's her. It's not me. But uh, we got there in the end and she did a massive big wee anyway. So we were allowed. We were allowed out. And the breastfeeding journey wasn't perfectly straightforward. I had I had done the work this time. I had, you know, I knew where my Lilesh League met. I knew you know how to reach out to different people um I had done a lot more well even just through the aborted breastfeeding journey you know the the one that fell apart after a couple of weeks I knew more about breastfeeding anyway and I just um just understood a lot more about it and, and understood that I needed to like how much time it can take mm. to establish it at the start and stuff like that that I just didn't understand and nobody really tells you or nearly really told me anyway maybe people people are told and people are much better informed than I was the first time around but I had done I suppose what preparation I had done was really digging into breastfeeding and saying I want this to work we ended up feeding till 18 months um using nipple shields the whole time the whole time really <laughs> Oh my God, I really, I put them on one day because she wasn't great latching on one side in particular and I was starting to have to use it a little bit on that side and then the other side 
I think I she had skipped a feed or she'd been asleep for a long time or something. And I was massively, massively engorged, like really, really hard. And even with a bit of hand expression, she couldn't latch. Okay. It was all too, it's all too hard and rock hard and big. So I put a nipple shield on just so that she could feed and I could get some relief and she could get some milk. And uh, she never went back again, stubborn. And I tried all the tricks, you know, slip it off halfway you know, halfway through the feed when she's sleepy at night. I got her maybe twice to feed without it and she would not feed without it. So for 18 months, we fed with nipple shields, but it didn't stop us. Yeah, we got it there. Um, it was pain. I mean, I wish I didn't have to like find them and put them on, mm. fiddle with them. And, and, I, and it did make our nighttime feeding journey a lot harder, I think, because it's quite hard to feed side lying and stuff with um, with nipple shields and it's dark and you have to attach them properly and you can't see in the dark. And so that definitely made nighttime just a hundred times harder than it should have been. Do you reuse them and clean them or what do you do? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're supposed, yes, you, you need to wash them, but you don't have to like sterilize them every time you use them or anything like that especially as the baby gets older so when they're when they're newborn yeah give them a clean between like warm hot water is fine it doesn't have to be sterilized because it's it's breast milk not formula um and then as she got older and more robust um i wouldn't necessarily even necessarily clean them in between which maybe is not what a lactation consultant would tell you to do which she was grand um but uh it was yeah so it's a bit of a pain really you know at the start but it's not as bad as sterilizing a billion bottles a day so I suppose someone has to invent it like adhesive ones ones that just stick stick there permanently or something (laughs) yeah yeah you know like it's funny because they do they cut yeah they kind of fall off or anyway anyway it just maybe other people have managed better than we have I don't think she was a huge fan of kind of co-sleeping anyway she didn't really like that at that age um but um it it definitely made things that that kind of stuff harder because I had to sit up really Mm. with her and that we all know that that's not ideal in the middle of the night when you're doing it a thousand times um but you know we got there and I was very grateful that I had them because I think we might not have made it you know without them and I it was very um very uh healing in a way for me Mm -hmm. to manage to to feed to feed the second one and and to, to to make it there. So let's chat about your next pregnancy. Yes, great. So the third pregnancy. Um, so <laughs> our number two. Uh, she she wasn't a great sleeper. So the third pregnancy didn't come along quite as quickly. We weren't we weren't ready. In fact, at one point we said we might just have two. We might just stop here. Um, but uh, anyway, of course she started to sleep a bit better, and we felt uh, a bit more rested and. Um, our third baby is three years younger than she than she is. So um, I we were living in Germany at the time um, and we thought that we'd move there when Leah and my daughter, our, my second born, was four months old. So we've just we've got great timing around pregnancies um, and, and births. So moved with a, a kind of just barely newborn or just over newborn and a two year old uh, over to Germany for my husband's job. Uh, and we were there for three years. Now, we thought we were going to be there for at least four years. So when I got pregnant, I thought I was going to be taking part in the German birthing system. Okay. And I was delighted. So I had to attend. It was funny. You attend a, your gynecologist um, for all your checks and everything. Initially, you don't go near the hospital to much closer to your birthing time. Um, so that was fine. I had my, my, my gynecologist. I found it much more hands-on, much more interventionist than the midwife-led approach in Ireland would have been. Um, scans like a billion scans lots of internal scans as well uh, which was very strange for me Mm -hmm. because they really don't go near you 
as a midwife they you know unless there's there's a reason to um why why do they give you internal scans that's just what they do and oh okay from so yeah from from how early until what um well they gave me a scan very early and I I was concerned again nervous again because I'd had the miscarriage before so I did ring them and say I'm like now I'm very early pregnancy like four or five five weeks six weeks I don't know what's whatever I found out sorry my third you can tell third baby can't remember (laughs) um but I I remember I I rang them really early and I said how soon can you see me and they said you can come in on Tuesday and I was like no no but like I want to you know they're like no it's fine we'll be able to tell if everything's okay or not whereas in Ireland they would have said no don't come in till eight or nine weeks because we wouldn't be sure we'd be able to see the heartbeat Mm. but they said no absolutely come in and and it was an internal scan and yes you could see the heartbeat and that was very very reassuring I have to say Um, and then they kind of scanned you every time you went in for a checkup really and um, it wasn't all yeah a lot of internal ones they they just the way they did it. and they were checking your cervix and how your cervix was looking and um because I remember at one point later in the pregnancy they said it's kind of um thinning I suppose already and you know it's a third pregnancy and this is to be expected but maybe you should stop lifting heavy things and I said my son is about 25 kilos and they said stop lifting him so you know um because he's like I said big guy um so yeah uh, that was very strange for me I I felt it was very you know and there was kind of um yeah and and from about 25 weeks I had to get a trace done every time I went in as well so I had to sit down for 20 minutes and they strapped the whole lot onto the the tummy and you sat there and they made sure that they were happy with baby's heartbeat and how everything was was progressing so it was quite different Mm. um I suppose potentially very reassuring for people but um I found it quite over the top having been through you know the Irish public midwife midwife um led unit but then on the other side um what I'd been hoping to do is I found there was a birthing center rather than a hospital that was nearby uh, where it would be midwives and I thought that would be great and then also what you can do if you can get one midwives are in great demand in Germany so you mightn't be able to get one but you can get one on your health insurance who will visit you prior to the birth so some of them will also attend your birth, but I didn't necessarily want one to attend my birth because I thought it'll probably be a quick birth. Will she even make it? So I'm not too fussed who delivered, you know, mm. who, who's there for the birth. But this, she would also come after birth for six weeks, as much as you need her. Oh, brilliant. Definitely for a certain amount, you know, lots in the first in the first two two weeks or so. And then as much as you need her after that, she would help, you know, postpartum, help with breastfeeding, help with you know anything you need, basically bit like a kind of postpartum doula mm. type thing but you know but but midwife midwife trained and I thought this is amazing like I and I found one and I met her and we had a chat and I talked about you know the breastfeeding and what you know how much of a struggle that had been and she we were very much on the same same page about you know how how we might handle things and, and what we do and I thought the children were settled into kindergarten so they'd be going to kindergarten every day so I'd have lots of this relaxed chill out postpartum time you know that I really I've started to move in that direction like away from the the first birth where the baby was in the bassinet to saying that this is this is the way I'm going to go and I'm going to have this birth in a birthing center so it will be midwife led it's not going to be hospital you know Mm. kind of a really hospital birth um and yeah so I was actually looking forward to that and then we found out we had to move home uh and we moved home six weeks before my due date (laughs) so I went from my my visions of my German experience to um, 
like calling Hollis Street and saying, um, I'm going to be I'm going to be 34 weeks pregnant when we get home. Can I please get an appointment and get into the system? Uh, so they gave me one in fairness. And I went in a couple of days or a week after we got home or something got scanned, I got checked, I was in the system, that was all great. I was seeing my GP, the alternating GP hospital thing, um, but I had seen the GP when I got home to get myself onto her books, went to the hospital, got the scan, they were happy with everything. They wanted a scan because they didn't, They, I mean, my whole book that I brought home with me from Germany was in German. German so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, um, there was that. Oh, that was the other thing that the Germans, they didn't trust they, This baby was measuring big as well. And all these scans, obviously, they knew exactly. Well, I mean, obviously, as he got bigger, it's less accurate. But like they kept saying gestational diabetes and your first one was very big. Did you have gestational diabetes? I said, I didn't. I'll do the test. I did the test each time. And because I'm I'd prefer to know if I did mm. and I'll do the test. But it was very like they didn't really like believe me or trust me. And I, I do think there might have been some pressure maybe around big baby there if, you know, okay. if I'd been there. <gasps> Maybe, but anyway, because um, they were very concerned about this. I said, no, I just I just have big babies. <laughs> like, not that my second was as big. She was 7, 13, but still. Um, but yeah, so, um, but this one was measuring much bigger, like he was going to be a 10 pounder. So yeah, saw the GP, went to the hospital, saw the GP, and then woke up on the morning that I was 36 plus six, find that my waters had gone. And we were living in my parents' house out in Malahide um which was much further than our house where we our house then ran like there were builders in our house renovating it just doing some but the boiler had to be changed and we did a bunch of other stuff while we had the chance and I had been like kind of keeping my boot on the builders saying I have a baby due on the 20th of June and I'm going to have this baby living in my own house not at Malahide in my parents house because I again had this vision of quick labor mm. baby on the side of the road stuck in rush hour traffic coming in from Malahide um and they were like yeah 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 yeah. we're doing everything we can and then he decided to show up three weeks and one day early anyway about two days before I lost what I thought was my mucus plug so I was kind of like maybe something's gonna happen but maybe not it doesn't necessarily mean anything but I kind of again was a little bit in denial I didn't like I kind of the baby bag was half packed and I was like it'll be fine, it'll be fine. and I kind of told my husband and he was like Oh, that I'd lost the mucus plug. And he's like, oh, okay. Um, I was like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Okay. And then woke up. Waters are gone. All over my parents' spare bed. <laughs> and um, kind of rushed out, you know, out of the bathroom, hopped in the shower. Definitely the waters. Um, okay. Bright and early. It's like seven o'clock in the morning or whatever before seven. Um, uh, my daughter, of course, sensed that something was up and came running out. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just taking a shower. She's like, you don't shower. I was like, I shower every morning. <laughs> okay, not maybe at seven in the morning. <laughs> maybe it's more like 10 o'clock before we get there usually. But I do shower every morning. She's like, oh, very suspicious now, you know. So we anyway, but it was handy enough as it turned out to be in my parents' house because all I had to do was walk in and say, you need to get up now and yeah. take the children because we have to go to the hospital. So I rang the hospital and I suppose there's kind of this mixed message. what do you do if your water goes? Um, but because the baby was technically premature now, not quite 37 weeks, I had to go in. So they said, we just want to check. So I said, grand. So we went in anyway, ahead of the worst of rush hour. I was having some light pains at home uh, or in my parents' house, but they 
fizzled out just sitting in the car like there was nothing you know nothing to uh, to keep them going and just a little bit of anxiety as well didn't didn't help kind of around oh god this was not what we expected so yeah. I threw stuff in the bag anyway and we headed on got, got a few towels put under me so that I wouldn't because we were also driving my mum's car and so I wouldn't wreck her car as well as her spare bed in case more came out and we got to the hospital um probably just before nine I'd say by the time we got there after we got you know settled everybody and they'd been bribed with tv to let us go uh got to the hospital yeah and we're grand so we said we'd be seen so again we were brought into a, a delivery room rather than the antenatal ward to check everything so I was traced they insisted on trying to get a sample of my waters to make sure that it was my waters that had gone and I said like I know it was my waters it was a flood and I, I definitely wasn't like I wasn't urinating like there's a difference in the two sensations and but anyway they insisted and at that time my cervix was still quite high and tight and it was the most painful thing I have ever experienced to be quite honest um I've like two vaginal births with only gas and air big babies whatever I have never been in so much pain as when they were trying to get that that sample but you know there, there was no way I was not going to give them a sample so we did that and they insisted on putting in a shunt or whatever that's called a, can- a cannula in my hand because they said I needed to get antibiotics because this baby was premature and the waters were gone maybe not because the baby was premature but maybe the waters were gone I can't remember exactly but whatever they said I needed to get antibiotics and I'd have to get another lot in x number of hours again I'd never had that before in a labor so but okay fine if you say I need to have it and they are happy after a while anyway with the baby and uh, I was kind of released off the off the trace onto my feet um, and was told that I would have to go down to the antenatal ward and wait for labour to kick off. And if it didn't start in 24 hours, then they'd have to give me something. So I said, OK, grand. And then they said, we know you have quick labours. You've said you have quick labours. So look, if you think something's happening, you have to be, you know, tell the person in the ward like this is happening and I have quick labours and whatever. And I kind of felt like, why, why, is that my, yeah. why is that my job <laughs> you know shouldn't you listen to me if I say something's happening shouldn't you like shouldn't I be listened to I kind of felt that was a bit kind of that messaging is quite off like to put that responsibility on the person who's busy having a baby is uh is quite a lot to do but anyway um once I was on my feet um everything picked back up again straight away um I was straight back into you know having contractions I was busy texting people because I'd had plans for the day and stuff so I was like ah, actually <laughs> won't be meeting you having the baby it looks like you know and things like that and I like I, I look back through it periodically and I was texting people at like 11 half 11 up to 12 kind of texts start to peter out around quarter to 12 or so obviously things picked up in intensity and by the time the the midwife had her paperwork done she could see that I was clearly like in full-blown labour and she said you know what we might just hold you here for a while we won't send you down to the the ward at all which is great by my um my account and um on my feet gas and air walking around um again that kind of active labour that I you know that I that works for me and that I find is definitely you know the most comfortable up in the bed after a while again on my knees hands and knees over the end of the bed like that definitely a, a good position for me and then as things got closer more people came into the room now I can't remember I, ha- I had my back to everybody because I was leaning over the back of the bed like this so I can't remember who was there but there was definitely a lot of voices and I assume a consultant was brought in for the, the birth of the baby which you don't get with the midwife led care but I, I think that's standard maybe in in the kind of standard public and care I'm not sure but I there definitely was 
new people um, who were trying to tell me what to do. So they tried to put me on my side at one point and just the pain is, you know, the, the, the pain was just so much worse that way that I said, no, 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 I won't do that. And I stayed on my back, on my hands and knees anyway, or up on my, up on my knees over the back of the bed. And then like when it got to the pushing, I was vocalizing as you do. Um, and I got that. Don't do that. No, you have to, you know, put a turn it all inward. And I just, anyway, he was born at one o'clock. So, you know, again, once everything picked back up and I was let off my feet, you know, back on my feet at around 11 o'clock you know, two hours and yeah. out he came at one o'clock. Um, what position did you birth him in? Were you still in that position? Birth on my knees. Yeah, okay. same as I did with, with his sister, actually, up over the back of the bed, out, out that way. Um, and because I found it just, you could manage your own, you could manage the surges and the pain and everything and obviously gravity assisted and everything. And I just, for me, that was the natural position mm. to be in. Um, so that that worked for me. And they, they let, like I said, they tried to turn me and I just... This is not. And I don't know why they tried to turn me right. You know, I can't remember. They didn't give me a reason. I just remember people taking me and be like, come on, come on, on your side. And me being like, I, I kind of rolled onto my side. And then I was like, no, this is so sore. And I was like, no, 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 no. And like went back. So I just thought like, well, I don't know why. Mm. Maybe there was a reason. Maybe the baby was distressed. I had the, the trace on again at this point, I think. You know, maybe he was distressed. I don't know. But I just remember thinking, is that necessary? And like, that stands out as one of the moments where I'm just like, I, I that feels very unnecessary. <laughs> you know, like what if I was getting on fine where I was? What, and and it was obviously a quick labor, and things were obviously progressing. Why why did you need to tell me what to do when I was able to you know manage it myself? So I, I it seemed it seemed unnecessary. But yeah, again, we got to the skin to skin time and. I was much more, you know, again, aware of that he spent much more time, you know, up on me and everything. He was smallest. He was only seven pounds, four ounces, which I know is not that small for some people, but because he was um, very big for a baby that's technically premature. <laughs> um, so um, he was obviously going to be a 10 pounder. He had hung in there long enough. Um, but we had to stay in for 36 hours because he was technically premature. He, they needed to do all the checks for premature babies and make sure he was getting on OK. And um, so we stayed in for a while and um, he, again, the physical recovery, it's funny, that was probably the pregnancy in which I took the least care of myself. Um, I didn't manage to do pregnancy yoga. I did listen to my tracks, but just life was too busy with two and a job and everything else. And I didn't, and there, there, there were no classes. Classes were all really early. Berlin's a funny city. It's very laid back. So they're not expecting you to be working hard at a job or having to be putting kids to bed at like till eight o'clock at night. You don't get late classes. Um, so I couldn't find one that I could do. So I didn't do that. And I wasn't walking as much. I was cycling a bike, but it, it was an electric bike. So it, I didn't have to actually work at it very hard. So my body was not as fit as it might have been before. So I found it took me much longer to kind of for my body to physically bounce back like I felt fine but I just noticed it just wasn't it didn't I, and I was older I guess as well so you know body didn't bounce back as quickly we managed with breastfeeding again he was tongue-tied um I fed through excruciating pain for nine weeks and then finally it didn't hurt anymore I did see he oh we got mastitis again oh yeah I asked to see the the lactation consultant in the hospital I said I think he's tongue-tied and the person I spoke to said how do you know and I said, because his siblings were, and it's very, very, very painful. And he said, have you diagnosed it? And I said, well, obviously I haven't because I'm not, 
a lactation consultant. And they said, well, I can't call the lactation consultant without somebody diagnosing it. Um, and four weeks later, we had mastitis. And um, we went back in to the hospital. And I saw the lactation consultant then, and she confirmed that he indeed did have a posterior tongue tie. So I saw somebody about it. But at that point, he had taken him a little while to get there, partially because he was premature and maybe partially learning to feed with the tongue tie. Mm. He had been slow to gain weight initially. So I'd been told, you know, feed up, feed, 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 feed. And luckily, you know what, living in my parents' house, I had said I didn't want, you know, to give birth while not in my own house, but actually... I had childcare on tap. I didn't have to cook a single meal. Uh, my sister was just down the road and she would take the kids, say, do you want to come down and play in my house for a while? You know, if you're talking about a kind of an ideal mm. for first four weeks postpartum, you couldn't really have got any better than that, to be honest. Um, I really could relax into it. And um, and he got the hang of the feeding and, and then just like chunked up. He's massive. He's just like his brother in the end. Um, and he was gaining like massive amounts of weight. Like I was being told at the checks, oh, he's not gaining quite enough. He's not gaining quite enough. You know, you need to just feed, feed, feed. And then when once he once he got the hang of it, though, it just, he took off. And uh, the, I went to see, um, who's the name? The guy, Alan thingy in in Camden Medical who does the the tongue ties and he said how much is he gaining oh my god like he's obviously fine and it's not going to affect him he said it's not so bad that he'll have any problems in future life so it's up to you to decide if you you know it's you're the one who's in pain you're the one being affected so I kind of thought I'll give it another few weeks and by six weeks seven weeks it was lessening it was getting better we were getting the hang of it so I said I'll just hang on by nine weeks it was gone but it was it was quite Mm. for for quite a while but there was no breast shields that was that was my goal this time was to say I'm not gonna I want to feed without nipple shields or any of that kind of lark and we managed that and we fed for two years oh, or just under two years mm-hmm. so it was great yeah thank you for that thank you for sharing three gorgeous stories <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me I think everybody loves I don't know maybe everybody doesn't love to talk about birth but uh, I certainly love I hope you enjoyed Fidelma's story. If you would like to share your story, you are more than welcome to. You can pop me an email over at irelandsbirthstories.ie or you can get in touch over at Instagram, Ireland's Birth Stories. If you are enjoying the podcast, I would love if you could show your support by either subscribing, leaving a review or rating the podcast wherever you listen to it. Thank you to those that have and I will chat to you next week. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 